Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. It has never happened before in a presidential election. I want to talk to you about that tonight. The field is winnowing down. We'll mention that, too. The U.S. Senate just has become more winnable by the Republicans. We'll mention that. And the three best tools for this year's uh, 2024 election, I consider it this year's, I mean, now is election time. The three best tools, I'm going to remind you what they are. And if we're not reading and absorbing these three educational tools by now, it's time to not only start doing it ourselves, but to bring it to the attention of our fellow voters. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone. Welcome to Praying for America. Thank you for being with us. We look at what's going on in the light of the Word of God. We pray over the events that are going on. A lot of different things to talk about. Let's go right into the Word of God. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says this, starting in verse 53. This perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father Almighty, we turn to you because we want to pray for America. We turn to you because we want to save America. We turn to you because we believe in you and in your kingdom, and we stake out our citizenship in heaven, as Paul tells the Philippians. But we know that we also need to be good citizens here on earth. We come to you, Lord, because we know that there are those in power in America who hate America. And Lord, this should not be. We ask you, give us the strength, the wisdom, the mission, the vigor, the determination, the perseverance, and the coordination with one another and with many great movements that have arisen in our country. And with our partnership of our friends throughout the world, let us make a difference, Lord God, always looking at you with serenity and with confidence that greater is he that is in us, that is you, Lord, than he that is in the world. We make this prayer in the name of the Lord of every nation, the author of life and the conqueror of death, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, First of all, you know, before I talk about those things that I, I, uh, I, I briefly mentioned, in the Catholic community, I and mean, you may have seen many of our viewers are Catholic, many are, are not. We have a pretty, uh, a pretty diverse audience. 
But many of you have seen, no doubt, in the news, uh, in the Catholic community, we have had Pope Francis remove from his position a rather conservative bishop who has spoken up about praying for uh, our country, who has spoken up about the evil that the Democrats are doing, who has spoken up against the Biden administration. I'm talking about uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas. And uh, he has spoken up, for example, in my situation when, as many of you know, when Pope Francis said a year ago, well, you can't function as a priest anymore. And and there were complaints to him about me that I was being too political and whatnot. Uh, you know, I told them, go go wake up about, you know, what's going on uh, here in America and uh, how really the conservative movement is the best friend of the churches. President Trump is the best friend that the churches of America have ever had uh, in terms of religious freedom. And I tell these leaders, with all due respect, open your eyes and see what's going on. And, and you'll, you'll understand conservative American politics. But the point is, and I'm going to talk, by the way, next month at Charlie Kirk's uh, conference, uh, the AmFest, America Fest, that's taking place in Phoenix just before Christmas. I know some of you will be there. I will be there with you. December 16th to the 19th, I will be giving a talk on a panel in regard to this cancel culture that is taking root in America and the weaponization of government that is taking place in America uh, and the weaponization of church government that we see taking place in the Catholic Church. So I just wanted to comment on this situation with Bishop Strickland. So he's been very outspoken. He has really stood out among the Catholic bishops for being outspoken in the culture wars. You remember the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and that whole uh, thing at Dodger Stadium a couple of months ago? Well, he was the only bishop to come out and pray with a whole group of, of, of faithful Christians against this, this, this blasphemous, blasphemous display of support for transgender uh, nonsense. And uh, uh, he, he was there. And just in so many different ways, not by saying anything rebellious, not by saying anything out of line with the gospel, but precisely the opposite, for being such a strong, clear witness to the gospel. Apparently, in the Catholic Church, that's frowned upon now by the highest authorities at the Vatican. So we have a sad situation uh, here. Uh, the bishop was... Uh, asked on November 9th uh, to resign from his position. Now, he had told me, I had been with him a few weeks before that, we were speaking together at a, at a conference, and he said, you know, if they, if they ask me to resign, uh, I'm not going to do so voluntarily because I've been entrusted with the, to be shepherd of this flock there in Tyler, Texas, and I'm not going to walk away from that charge uh, that the Lord has given me. Uh, so that's what he said to them respectfully. And, uh, and so, so Pope Francis said, well, I'm removing you from that position. Now, he's still a bishop. He's still a priest. He can still function as such, but he's not in charge of that diocese anymore. Because if you're in charge of a diocese, you have obviously a lot of influence on what direction that local church goes. Brothers and sisters, let's stand in solidarity against this cancel culture. I've seen many patterns between the cancellation and the weaponization going on in civil government and what's going on here in the Catholic Church, I've been a target of it myself. And one of the things they do is um, they fail to give any specific legitimate reason for the punishment or restrictions that they impose, just like 
when the left goes after President Trump. There's no crimes. Remember the impeachment hoaxes? Abuse of power. What in the world does that mean? What they said about Bishop Strickland, what reason did the Vatican give? They didn't give a reason. You see, this is a pattern. And this is one of the signs of, of how wrong they are. You see this pattern. It says, oh, well, we're not, we're not going to... And, 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 and in the arrogance of a lot of, of church leaders, they don't think they have any, any obligation to give a reason. It's like, wait a minute, doesn't that speak of, of, of respect for the people that you govern when you just, even when you don't have to technically when you go out of your way to try to make a decision more palatable for them by giving a reason, I think in this instance, as in the instance with me, they'd be embarrassed to give the real reason. Real reason is they're, they're anti-Trump, they're anti-conservative. Many of them are anti-America. And for, sorry, but we're not going to tolerate this. You and I, each of us continuing faithful, in uh, uh, the, w the way that God has called us to, to worship. But you and I need to stand up. And the way you stand up against the cancel-slash-weaponization-slash-silencing culture is that you speak louder. And you refuse to be canceled. And you become more present to those to whom you're trying to get the message. And you become more effective at conveying that message. So that is my... Uh, Exhortation to you here today. Now, the tools for this presidential election. There are three that I've told you. Now, we have been doing a deep study on this program, and we'll continue doing it in detail, of Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Please be sure to get this book. Read every page of it is my strong recommendation to you, and pass it along. Explain it to other voters. This is a great preparation for the very simple goal of voting every Democrat out of power across the country and up and down the different levels of government. Out they must go, out as quickly as possible. Now, police state. I was there at Mar-a-Lago, beginning of the month, with Dan Bongino, with um, actor Nick Searcy, with Dinesh D'Souza, who created this. Police state. Subtitle is, Are You Next? President Trump, of course, has been the primary victim of this. Mark Houck, my friend, pro-life activist, had his home raided by the FBI. You know the stories. There's multiple stories. All of those that are leaders in the, in the uh, conservative movement, in the uh, pro-Trump uh, uh, circles, President Trump's attorney, so many people, victims of the weaponization of government. We will not be canceled. We will not be silenced. We will not sit back and let this happen. What's the common theme? Again, you see this in the church. You see it in the state. In a just justice system, in a properly functioning justice system, you go after a crime in search of a person. Clear crime is committed and identified. Then you go investigate and you find the people who did it so that they can be punished. In a police state, in a police church, in the weaponization of government, whether civil or ecclesiastical, you go after a person in search of a crime. You identify somebody that you don't like because of their positions. Oh, they're too conservative. Oh, they're too pro-life. Oh, they're too whatever. They're too pro-Trump. 
You go after a person in search of a crime. You say, we need to silence and sideline that person. We're going to treat them as if they committed a crime, and we're not even going to be able to identify what crime they committed, but that doesn't matter. We're going to use the same weapons. We're going to use the same mechanisms, the same tools that are, that are used to go after people who have committed crimes, and we're going to use it against them because we don't like them. And we don't like their message. Not only did it happen to a Catholic priest, myself, various other Catholic priests, now it's happened to a Catholic bishop, conservative bishop in the United States, and they're not concerned about his government. I'll use all these excuses. You see, they use mechanisms, just like with President Trump. They use the external trappings of the mechanism of an impeachment inquiry or now these indictments and these trials and whatnot. Yeah, they're using the mechanisms, but they're weaponized because there's no rationale behind it. So they used with Bishop Strickland what's called a visitation. They used that on me too. Where somebody from the Vatican, the Vatican sends somebody to, to, to investigate. Look more closely at how are they doing their job. This is a bunch of nonsense. The process has its validity in and of itself. There's got to be a good reason for doing it. Don't be fooled, friends. Don't be fooled when the weaponization of government is dressed in religious garb. Don't be fooled. It's weaponization nonetheless. It's unjust nonetheless. Okay, so police state, getting back to my one, two, three here, the best tools to prepare for this election, Mark Levin, Democrat Party Hates America, police state film, go to policestatefilm.net. Net. You can order the DVD like I have here. You can watch it online as well. PoliceStateFilm.net. And finally, I just got this in my hands today. I've been looking forward to this. I saw Dick Morris the other night at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Had a great conversation with him. Dick Morris's new book, Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. I told you the other night, drawing on a lesson that Mark Levin gave us all on his broadcast, you don't need actual criminal code violations. You don't need actual crimes to impeach a president. You have grounds for impeachment. You have high crimes and misdemeanors, not identified by the, by the criminal code, but identified by a betrayal of the trust that the American people put in their president. If the president's harming the country, if the president's not enforcing the law of the country, you have reason to impeach. But the Biden family is a crime family. They've gone even further than the constitutional standard that Congress has every right and responsibility to determine. They have gone further. There is money laundering going on. There is bribery. There is, uh, uh, this is the book that's going to give you the inside story on that. So look, between these three things, you yourself are already in the right place, but you want to educate and wake up our fellow voters. We've got just less than a year to do it. We have got to get these Democrats out of power in 2024. I commend these tools to you. Now, what is it that I'm saying has never happened before in a presidential election? We've got Trump running. We've got Biden. I don't think he's going to end up being the nominee, but there's going to be some nominee there in the presidential race on the D side of the aisle. Uh, we should call it the C side of the aisle or the T side of the aisle. C for corrupt, T for tyrannical. Never mind D. It's corrupt, tyrannical. We call it the CT party. 
or the TC party, tyrannical and corrupt. Brothers and sisters, whoever that is will be a second candidate. But now we've got several other serious candidates. Now, if you go to ballotpedia.org and you look up 2024 presidential election candidates, there's actually hundreds. Every, every presidential cycle, there are actually hundreds of people who technically become, declare for presidential candidacy, okay? And, and hey, hey, that's great. I mean, this is our system, right? Anybody can, 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 can throw their hat in the ring if they meet all the requirements. But talking about serious candidates, people who really can pull some, some votes beyond you know, their inner circle of friends, we're coming to a point in the 2024 election because of the dissatisfaction of many with both parties and both major candidates. We're coming into a situation where we're going to have more serious candidates on the ballot than we've ever had in a presidential election before. Now, we've seen, and you know, if you know the history of presidential elections in the United States, we've seen the impact that a serious third-party candidate can have. Remember, President Trump didn't win that much, the 2016 uh, election, except for, you know, margins of 10, 20, 30, 40,000 votes in a collective handful of states. And the same thing with Biden in 2020, if you even believe the numbers, that's a separate conversation. But taking the numbers at face value, there wasn't some massive landslide. It was 10,000 here, 20,000 there, just in a handful of states. And we've pointed out to you before that if you look at Arizona and Wisconsin, if you look at Pennsylvania and Georgia, there you've got the states that are needed to win this, this 2024 presidential race, and not by gigantic margins either. You're talking about very close races in a small handful of states. Now, what I'm point I'm making is, Jill Stein, who's another for, shaping up to be, and when I say a serious candidate, I don't mean by any stretch of the imagination gigantic percentage points. I mean just enough percentage points to sway the race in certain key states enough to change the outcome. She was, there's a lot of voters on the left who are pretty angry with her about what happened in 2016, that she pulled votes away from um, the Democrats in uh, Wisconsin, for example, pulled votes away from, from Clinton in Wisconsin. She's poised to do it again. She's running again. Now, she was going to be the campaign manager for Cornell West in the Green Party. She's running in the Green Party. But Cornell West went independent. He's another one that can draw votes away from Biden. And then, of course, you have RFK uh, Jr., who has, as you know, been uh, uh, moved from the Democrat to the lane, to the independent lane, and he's pulling a, a good significant number of votes. Listen, he's going to hurt Biden more than, 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 than Trump. The man is, is, we did a segment on our program recently. He's on the left. He's on the left. He's in with so many of the policies. Yeah, he says some good things about the vaccine mandates and about Fauci. But look at the whole picture. Look at the whole picture. He's buying into all kinds of left-wing Democrat policies. And we'll go into that again as time goes on. So you've got, potentially, 
Now, there's also some, some, now we know Tim Scott, okay, dropped out of the race, right? God bless him. He's a great senator, just not his time to be president. So Tim Scott, so the field is starting to narrow more and more among the serious contenders for the Republican nomination. But really, President Trump is, continues to run away with that nomination. And he's also polling ahead of Biden in those very states I just mentioned that are just a handful that are critical to win the presidency. Again, think Arizona, think Georgia, think Wisconsin, and think Pennsylvania, okay? Nevada plays a role in there, of course, but, 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 but those four, in fact, if you want to reduce it to three, Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, people like Jill Stein can do a lot of damage to the Democrats. President Trump is ahead of Biden in those states already albeit not by gigantic margins, but, but, but not by insignificant margins either. Look at the polling. All the polling that's coming, all the polling that's coming out is favoring President Trump and, and not just in terms of will you vote for him, but in terms of the issues. The issues. Who do you trust more on the issues? Even issues that are big among Democrats they like the way Trump is handling them or that the Republicans are handling them better than the Democrats. We've got a, this is a tremendous time for polling. I mean, the poll, for polls being in our favor, we've got a waterfall of them right now, brothers and sisters. And, 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 and what's happening here is that, look, the base, the Trump base, of which I am a part, and we welcome people who are for other candidates in the primary, of well, so I've always told you that, Welcome and respect, nothing but respect for you and for your choices. But, but the Trump base is immovable. The more indictments, the more charges, even if you want to bring some convictions along, even if you want to put them in jail. We're not moving. We're not budging. So the Biden base isn't like that. This is what it's important to understand. The Democrats have a loosely... I mean, sort of like with rubber bands and duct tape kind of coalition that is very fragile. The Trump base is anti-fragile. Uh, Charlie Kirk was using this term recently. It's a book by that title, anti-fragile. Now, those anti-fragile movements are movements which the more you persecute them, the more the strong they become, not weak. That's the Trump coalition. It's solid. The Democrat-Biden coalition is weak. I don't, again, I don't even believe anymore that he's going to be the nominee. Can't do it. Can't function. And more and more people in the Democrat Party are trying to edge him out of there. But look, here's what you have going on. You've got now this Jill Stein, RFK Jr., Cornell West. And then there's even talk about now Joe Manchin. Now, the reason I said at the outset today we've just increased our chances of taking back the Senate is that Joe Manchin, a little bit of an anomaly, but it's because, you know, he was a popular governor there in West Virginia. He had a lot of good support, and he's, you know, moderate in a lot of his positions. And I, and, and I understand what some of you say, oh, no, 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 he's not. I know. But he's not, like, in line with the far left wing of the, of the Democrat Party uh, in many of his votes. So he attracted a lot of people in deep red West Virginia. The point is, he was an anomaly. In the Senate, again, sometimes even voting pro-life, but he's not running for re-election in the Senate, which means 
That is a solid Republican seat. We are flipping that from Democrat to Republican. And the margin in the Senate is razor thin. So that would bring it to 50-50, and you get a victory in the White House. Vice president is the tiebreaker, even if we don't win other states. But we can win some other seats like Montana, like Arizona, like Ohio, even Pennsylvania. There, there's, 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 there's paths to victory, retaking the Senate. Please keep focused on that. Folks in Montana, there's no reason why we can't take that seat away from, from John Tester. Focus in. Victory in the Senate. But, but it just became much more, more likely. So we've got um, a very interesting path ahead. But if we've got several serious candidates, now there's talk, the reason I brought up Manchin, not just about the Senate, but about the presidency. There's been some chatter. Might he, might he launch a presidential bid? Of course, time is running out. These guys have got to decide and get a, even get in on the get in on the filing deadlines. But if he and even some people were talking about Mitt Romney, who's likewise not running again for Senate. But what if they teamed up? You know, some people have been talking about that. That could possibly put some places in play, like Utah, which would be harmful for uh, our side if that were to be taken. But a combination like that could also take Nevada. You know, there's a lot of uh, Mormons in Nevada. And that could happen, too, and that would balance it out. Each of those states has six electoral votes. The bottom line is this is shaping up to be, and we've talked about this before in more ways than one, a very, very, very unprecedented, unique, and in many ways unpredictable presidential election cycle. There's going to be a lot of firsts here. There already have been a lot of firsts. I think it's going to get even more and more interesting. I think it's going to get even more and more dramatic. Well, friends, I'm going to pause there. Uh, join me again tomorrow. We've got a lot more to talk about, but I need to jump into actually another interview. Uh, let's, let's turn to the Lord in prayer here and um, and uh, uh, ask his, his, his blessing. Lord, Father, we, we look at this presidential race, and Lord, there are so many people involved. For the people on our side, Lord and God, for President Trump and his team, we continue to intercede. You have given him, at times, Lord, it seems like superhuman strength. We know it's your Holy Spirit. We know it's your Holy Spirit. He believes in you. He believes in the Holy Spirit. He believes in the power of prayer. He believes in bringing every thought captive to Christ. He believes in the goodness of the American people and the American vision truly loves this country, is willing to sacrifice everything for it. Thank you, Father, for President Trump and his team. Strengthen them, give them wisdom beyond measure. Bless Lord God, uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland, a bishop of the Catholic Church who's now been a victim of the weaponization of church government. We have the weaponization of the state. We've also got the weaponization of the church. Lord God, let, let nobody be fooled. Just because weaponization puts on religious garments, let nobody be fooled. Lord, we stand in solidarity with all those who will courageously point out the sins, point out the evils that the Democrat Party is embracing. We stand in solidarity. Those who point out the evil of abortion, the wrongness of the killing of babies. We know killing babies is wrong as the terrorists do it over in Israel. 
the Hamas terrorists. But Lord God, what are we doing in our abortion clinics if not similarly killing babies? Father, we ask you to free us from all violence. Bless all those others, Lord God, even though they may, they may be on the wrong side of the aisle. We ask your Holy Spirit to come upon all those who have declared for president that they, Lord, might see where they have to reform, that they might see how they need to change. Lord God, help them to see the light where they have embraced policies that are destructive, not only of America, but of them, of them. Bless us, and now we pray in the words that Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Join me again tomorrow on Praying for America. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.